Hey, Church of Nolensville, welcome back to Church Online. Even though we can't meet physically right now, I love that we're able to meet digitally. And it really is honestly interesting preaching to a basically empty room. We have one guy at the front of house. We have a stationary camera here. And then we have one more volunteer over here. operating our RoboCam. Let me ask this amazing volunteer a question. Is it true that you're the best RoboCam volunteer that we have? (laughs) Let me ask you another question. Are you pumped to hear today's sermon? (laughs) Yeah, well, I hope everybody else is as well because I'm incredibly excited to be with you. And I know that COVID right now, 19, that this virus really is incredibly contagious. But, but did you know that there's something even more contagious than COVID-19? And that's fear. Fear really is contagious. And, and in some ways, man, it's running rampant around our nation and the globe today. But let me tell you something that's even more contagious than COVID-19 and fear. And that's the hope of the gospel people who will stand strong and say, I know who my God is. He is not only a promise maker, but my God is a promise keeper. See, it's all about perspective. And I'm telling you, the hope of the gospel is more contagious than anything else right now and forever. And really, it just boils down to perspective. Speaking of perspective, I mean, most of you know that, that I wear glasses, I wear glasses to give me a better perspective. I, I don't see very well, and I, I need to be able to wear glasses to see really well. And in fact, my wife, Kim, tells a story of when she was young. I don't remember how young, six, seven, eight, when she first got corrective lenses. And when she walked outside, her perspective just changed. <laughs> she looked and was like, trees, they're not just green blobs, but they've got leaves and shapes and definition. And her entire perspective was radically changed the moment she put on corrective lenses for the first time. So sometimes we need something to correct our lenses, but sometimes even when we have corrective lenses, we, we still don't have the right perspective. Our, our perspective is off. And let me, let me illustrate it like this. We're going to put a picture up here. And you could ask yourself the question when you're looking at this picture, based on perspective, what kind of day am I having? Am I having a good day? Oh, man, look over here, man, little clouds running in. We've got a sunset. It's a beautiful day, maybe cool, 65 degrees outside. It's a beautiful day. Or based on your perspective, no, man, it's, it's a horrible day. It's a bad day. I hate this day. I don't like this day. I hate where this day is going. God's not at work. It's raining. It's storming. In fact, there's lightning and thunder, and it's all black all around. It's, it's all based on your perspective. We can look at the same picture and go, man, that's... That's pretty remarkable. It's a surreal setting. Or we can say, man, I don't, I don't like this day at all. I wish that it would go away. It's not what I planned, but I wonder if God's even up to something at all. It's, it's really about perspective, our perspective. And, and the facts when you look at the picture don't change. The, the day didn't change. The only thing that changed is our perspective. And here's what I want you to know. you, you got to know this. You you can't control what happens to you. You can't control what the future holds, but but you can do this. Listen, you can do this. You can control your perspective. You can't control what the future holds. We can't always control what happens to us, but you can control your perspective. 
You know, you know, think about this for a minute. Kim and I were also having this discussion. It's, it's, it's about perspective. You know, if, if you didn't know, between the writing of the Old Testament and the writing of the New Testament, there was about 400 years where no scripture was being written. And some people call it the silent years or the dark ages. And they wonder, was God just silent for 400 years? But, but if you look at history, your perspective will change a little bit. What you'll see during that time is the rise of the Roman government. And as they conquered the world, even though they were vicious, something called Pax Romana entered into the scene. And that was peace established by the Roman government where people could travel freely and they could trade merchandise. And they built this amazing road and infrastructure where people could travel nation to nation like never before in the history of the world. Why? All for the arrival of Jesus Christ so that the gospel could go out like never before. So you can look at those 400 years from one perspective and go, man, was God silent? Or you can look from another perspective and say, man, God was on the move preparing the scene for the birth of his Savior. It's not unlike today with with COVID-19. People ask the question, why is God doing this? Why isn't God stopping this? Is God silent? Did, Did you know that if this would have happened to our nation and the world just, just 15 years ago, we probably wouldn't be able to meet digitally live like this. The technology advancement that's happened in the last 15 years allows the church to continue to minister and put the gospel forward like never before. And so some people may ask the question, is, is God silent right now? Is, is God not at work right now? Well, I think it depends on your perspective because I think God is just setting us up for a great and mighty work of the gospel. It's, it's all about perspective. And today as we continue in the series, the seven last sayings of Jesus, I, I want you to see in Jesus's final statement on the cross, Jesus's incredible perspective. And it's found in Luke chapter 23. And I hope you already have your Bible with you. I mean, every week when we gather in person, I tell you, hey, bring a Bible, bring something to write on, bring something to write with. And that's no different now just because we're meeting digitally. So go ahead and get your Bible. And I want you to stand in honor of reading God's word. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. And I'm going to pick up in verse 46. The Bible says this. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, Into your hands I entrust my spirit. And saying this, he breathed his last. Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. God, today we all all need a, a clear perspective. Give us a big vision of you. Give us a trust to put our lives into your hands in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of what would seem impossible, in the midst of darkness. Give us a perspective that knows that not only you are a promise maker, but a promise keeper, and you are at work in Jesus' name. And everybody at home said, amen. That's right. And so I love this because Jesus's last words on the cross, much like his first words on the cross, were actually a prayer. And tradition tells us that this prayer was perhaps really a bedtime prayer for children, maybe even one that Mary and Joseph taught Jesus from when he was a young boy. And what Jesus is saying here is actually a quote from Psalm 31. Let me read you a portion of Psalm 31. You'll see what Jesus is quoting. Psalm 31 says this, O Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. 
Save me, for you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me and rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, a fortress for when I am safe. You are my rock and you are my fortress. Lead me out of this danger. Pull me from the traps that my enemies set, for I find protection in you alone. And then verse 5 is actually uh, the verse that Jesus was quoting on the cross. And here's the verse. Into your hands... I entrust my spirit, but only Jesus here uh, actually puts the word Father in it when he quotes it. Psalm 31 doesn't originally have that, but Jesus makes it personal and says, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. You have redeemed me, Lord God of truth. I am scorned, he continues, by all of my enemies, despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. When they see me on the street, they run the other way. I'm ignored as if I were dead, as if I were a broken pot. I've heard the rumors about me, and I'm surrounded by terror. My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take my life. But, I love what this says, but I'm trusting in you, Lord, saying you are my God. My future is in your hands. And so... Even in this moment, you can see that this psalm is rich with perspective. My enemies are after me. They're trying to snare me. They've despised me. They've ignored me. But I trust in you because you are my fortress and my rock. It's, it's perspective. And what's happening here is Jesus is ending his suffering on the cross by teaching us how to pray every day. And that's to pray not in fear, but in confidence and in hope, because God, I trust you. So into your hands, I entrust my spirit. And at this point, Jesus, man, he's done everything that he's been asked to do. And now he just, he just has to trust the Father. He's done everything that he can do, and now he just has to trust the Father. And have, haven't you been there? Haven't you been to a place in your life when all of a sudden life just come at you? Uncertainty. Things that you would never hope for. Man, they come after you. And then you, you begin to wonder or life begins to attack. Do you really believe that that's true? Are you really going to trust even in this situation? And you find yourself kind of in life at an ultimatum. Do I, do I really believe or do I not believe? And Jesus in this moment had complete confidence. That's what we see in the life of Jesus. Complete confidence confidence. And his response was this, it was into your hands, I entrust my spirit. Into the Father's hands, which is interesting. It's very different than hands he said uh, would have some control over him earlier. Look back at uh, Luke chapter 9 verse 44. Jesus says this, let these words sink in. The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the what? The hands of who? Men. So he knew he was going to be mistreated by human hands. There was going to be this uh, corrupt arrest. There was going to be this make-believe trial. There was going to be taunting by the Jewish leaders. He was going to be scorned by the crowd. There was going to be this hostile and blind rejection of Jesus that would really lead to the innocent execution of the innocent sovereign son of God. And they, they absolutely misjudged him. And, and what they did was a massive error, even though it was foreordained by God. Because they thought that it was going to be impossible for Jesus to achieve on the cross exactly what he ended up doing. And on the cross, Jesus did what we could never do. He, 
He reclaimed a relationship with the Father. He absorbed the wrath of God. He made a way for us to be reunited and clean and set free on the cross. And in that moment, Jesus, he's, he's trusting in the Father and he's saying, into your hands, I trust my spirit. Because, hey, the reality is, Jesus, he had no idea what physical death was going to be like. He had to fully trust the Father. And this is what I love. In that moment, we can now fully trust Jesus because he's been places we haven't. He's been places we are going. He's been down the darkest of all roads, trusted the Father, and we know that, that his trust ended in a resurrection. And so he's been where we haven't, and we can trust that not only is the Father good, but Jesus has made a way. So in the middle of life, we too can say, Father, I I trust you. Jesus said, into your hands, I commend my spirit. And it's interesting how we we learn what's happening in this situation. Because the first thing that Jesus said on the cross was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But his last words on the cross are, Father, into your hands, I entrust my spirit. And what's the difference between my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And into your hands, I commend my spirit. What's the difference? Well, it's, it's perspective. Because whether, whether you know it or not, every one of you at some point in your life is going to have a my God, my God, why moment. And, and if you haven't already had that moment, then you just haven't lived very long because it's coming. And the space between, my God, my God, why? And I trust you with my spirit. I trust you with my life. In in the middle, well, that's just the messy middle of life. And that's where perspective really, really matters. What will get you from, my God, my God, to I trust you with my life is perspective. And I want to illustrate it this way. I mean, every one of us in our life, we, we really do have a, a, a lot of worries. And, and in a moment of faith, in a moment of faith, what we do is we say, God, I know you're there, and I know that you're real, and I know that it's true, and I want to take what's worrying me, and I, I want to put it over here into your lap. I want to I take what's worrying me, and I want to put it over here into you. I want to take a worry of mine and I want to give it to you, God. And then I say, God, you take it. And then we sit back and we wait. And then if God hasn't done something quick enough, kind of we take it back and we put it back. God, why haven't you done anything? In the middle of the night, we go and we take it back. When the bills come due, we go and we take it back. In the middle of the struggle, we take it back. See, here's the problem. The problem with this is that your God is too small and your worry is way too big. So what you need is a different perspective. Yeah, you need a different perspective. You need to believe in a bigger God that makes our worries seem small. And the Bible says that we get to cast all of our cares on him. That we get to take all of our burdens and despair and grief and we put it on him. But he doesn't want us to just cast our cares on him. He wants us to take our entire life and place it in his hands and trust him with it. And he's not worried about being infected by you. So we don't want to just take a piece of our life and say, God, I trust you with this. 
We want to take our life and, and place it into God's hands. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. Where this good, it's helpful, it's helpful, but, but in reality, at some point, do you want me to just live in denial? When, when the bills are coming, it's, it's approaching the 1st and the 15th of the month. You want me to just send my, God's, my, my bills to God in heaven with, with his address and see if he'll just pay them miraculously? I mean, what am I supposed to do practically? Well, I'm really glad you asked because that's what I have next in my notes. A couple of things. Look, here's what I want you to do. Number one, man, I, I do what I can do. So, man, I try to eat right. If I got health issues, I go and see the doctor. I do what I can. If you have an exam, those of you who are students, you need to study, 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 and then go take your test. Financially, you need to live on a budget. You need to spend less than you make. I do what I can first, but, but we don't stop there. What next is, then I give God what I can't do. And man, that's so much in our life that I just cannot do. I'm not able to do. Maybe I think I can. Maybe I believe I can, but I shouldn't. I do what I can, and then I I give God what I can't do. And then lastly, look, I trust God no matter what. And that's where you and I say, God, into your hands. I, I do what I can. And I give God what I can't, and then I, I trust God no matter what. Into your hands, Lord, I, tr- I trust you with my spirit. I entrust you with my life, my family's life. I do what I can. I give God what I can't do, and then I trust God no matter what. Because there are things I can't change. There are things I can't fix. There's things I can't do. I'm going to do what I can. Then I'll give God what I can, and then I'm going to trust God no matter what. I just want you to imagine, church. I just want you to dream with me for a moment. I want you to imagine, especially for those of you that battle with worry or anxiety or are in this season, man, there are things going on, and that's just bubbling up inside of you. But imagine, dream about the opportunity and the reality of having a heart full of peace, of having a peace of mind that's impossible to explain with words, even in the midst of a struggle. Having this deep and abiding trust in God. I want you to know that that isn't just a dream and you don't just have to imagine it. It's possible. And it really is in some ways a choice. It's perspective. It's, it's perspective. What are you focusing on? What are you choosing to see? Well, wait, nobody understands. It's a miserable time. It's hard. It's painful. I don't know if I'm going to make it out the other side. Hey, I get it. Remember the difference between my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And into your hands I entrust my spirit is the messy middle, and that's perspective. God never said you're not going to have my God, my God days. But God said I make promises and I keep promises. And on the cross, Jesus is modeling for us a way to pray. And it's, it's, it's not full of fear, but it's full of faith. God, I trust you no matter what. And like I said in the beginning, COVID-19 isn't the only thing that's contagious right now. Hope is absolutely contagious. Faith is absolutely contagious. A passion for the one who saved me is absolutely contagious. Man, is, is the world a little bit scary? Yeah. Is it a little bit complicated? You bet. Is God active? Absolutely. Is he powerful? Yes. Is he in control? Yes. Is he surprised? No. And the world may be growing darker, 
But the light of our hope and the gospel should be brighting, should be shining more and more brightly every day. Because of Jesus, we don't have to have fear, we can have hope. And whatever you're facing, no matter how big it is, look to Jesus and his example today. Can you say that today, Father, into your hands? I trust you with fill in the blank with my finances with my life, with my child, with my marriage, with my future, with my career. And and maybe you're experiencing a my God, my God, why moment. But it's perspective, right perspective, that will lead us to saying, Father, I trust you. I want to pray for you now. So Jesus, I pray. I pray for those who, who need to have a greater more abundant faith in you. And instead of seeing how big our worries are that make our God seem so small, I pray that we would see how big our God is that would make our worries seem small. I didn't say insignificant. I didn't say not real. I just said smaller than who God is and that they would trust you with their entire lives. So God, move in a a mighty way in our church and in uh, our community. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hey, as we sign off today, a couple of things that I want to share with you. Number one, man, if you're not a follower of Jesus and maybe you've tuned in and church is new to you and you just stumbled onto this broadcast, I'm so glad that you're here. And I want you to know that you can have a faith and a relationship in Jesus Christ even today. And if you have never become a believer in Jesus Christ, you can pray something as simple as, Jesus, I believe you are who the scriptures say you are. The son of God who left heaven, came to earth, was crucified, buried, rose again, and I repent of my sin and trust in you. If you do that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to email me. My email is W Owens, W-O-W-E-N-S at church at nolansville.com. I want to follow up with you. I want to talk to you personally. I want to walk with you in this incredible journey. Hey, love you guys. See you next week.